hi, it's Mark Stenson. And if you've been looking for a key to unlock your world of creativity, you've come to the right podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how creative people can better understand and engage in conversations about technical engineering and other subjects. And our guest is somebody who knows a lot about this. Aman Argawel, so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book. Aman Argawel. And when I say he knows what he's talking about, let me give you an example. He's worked on self-driving trucks, computer vision for robot assistance, AI-enabled brain-computer interfaces. And as a creative person, if you're stopped in any of those and say, I have no idea how they work, I have no idea the technology behind them, then you're going to enjoy this podcast and learn how you can be more conversant in these technical issues. Besides that, Amon, uh, you were a sales executive for a couple of tech startups. I mean, their companies were worth over a billion dollars. So you experience this technical versus non-technical gap. What was your experience that kind of gave you the aha that this is something that needed to be addressed? Yeah, so the big one was that when I was working in Silicon Valley, you know, they're supposedly the most concentrated of places with technical engineering talent, right? I would talk to, for example, the salespeople because I was working closely with them. And you talk to the engineers and you talk to the salespeople, both sides think that the others are stupid. You know, it's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic there. It's pretty painful how, you know, you see the communication gap and it really affects the trajectory of the whole company in many ways, right? Because if they know that you have to have much many more procedures of cross-checking and uh, feedback loops and whatnot, to like put a bandage on what is at default a communication gap because people are not willing to teach each other and so you have to get things approved from one side to the other to another and you know the whole cycle goes on you have people face some self-esteem issues at the workplace because they sometimes they made they're made to feel like they are less intelligent than the tech than the technical experts or that you know, the engineers feel like, oh, are we not socially, whatever the right word, you know? <laughs> <laughs> We've all felt and it. So yes. it, it manifests in, yeah, it, it's a simple issue. And I would say it's more of a cultural issue because in some, in some teams, in some organizations, you have a teaching culture where people really love to teach and share how their stuff works to their non-technical colleagues or the salespeople want to really coach the engineers on how to sell better, how to you know build empathy with clients and whatnot. So in some teams, you have that culture which fills in this gap on, on its own. But I feel like on a macro scale, it's, it's a huge gap and it affects people in many more ways than just you know not being able to participate in a conversation. Yes. So it seems like your teaching personality then, your teaching persona came out when you experienced that and said, why don't I create some sort of program where I can teach non-technical people to be more conversant in these technical conversations? How did that come about for you? So I actually never set out to be a teacher. I actually never 
imagine that I would be running an education company. When I st- first started my career as an engineer, I decided to write some free essays online explaining, you know, the cutting edge technologies that I was working on from self-driving cars and, you know, even, even some programming tutorials, which were made simpler for beginners. And those essays got really popular to my surprise and with people all over the world reading them and sharing how much it w- they were helpful because I tried to make them fun and humorous and, you know, easy to understand for the complete, for the complete noob. And uh, I was I was doing that over a period of like four four years and giving you know guest lectures and uh, in universities as far as Japan, talking about let's things like AI and creativity to artists for example art students. After working in Silicon Valley, I just it just hap- it just so happened that one day just clicked you know when I was thinking of business models and thinking of things that I could do with my life and what I'm good at. I thought like, hey, I'm good at explaining technology to non-technical people. What could I do with that? Is there a market? Is there a problem? So once I had this idea, I I called up like at least 10, 15 non-technical people that I knew about whether this would be helpful. And they were like, yeah, this would be super helpful. That's how it was born. Uh, Fantastic. And tell us the name of your company and how you've organized the offering of this program. Yeah, so my company's name is uh, Sanprem Transnational. It's a single training program. It's uh, personalized, so I take only five students a month. Given that you know I spend a lot of time with them, I basically teach them how to make decisions about technology as a business executive, as a business owner, and how to understand enough about technology to absorb new information in future. Because I. I don't really focus on knowledge memorization, knowledge and memory as much because that's, you know, like I tell them something today and five days later, it's gone, poof. Like they'll never remember it. But you can focus on the concepts so that they can think in, technically. They can think, okay, how do I make decisions? How do I translate? For example, you know, if you're Netflix in 1998 and you have a DVD by mail company and you decide, okay, we need an e-commerce store because we need a, a, a way for people to browse the DVDs. And this has a back end and a front end because they'll be using it on the device. If you, if you teach these things as a story, as a concept, instead of saying, hey, a software system has a back end and it has a front end, a back end does this and the front end does that, that's not gonna make sense. What's gonna make sense is that you're running a business and depending on how this business is structured, these are the technical choices you have to make. So there's a connection there. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. And I guess from the standpoint of let's let's focus a minute on the receiver of this training, the non-technical person. I see what you're saying that like you're not teaching me engineering. You know, you're t- yeah. trying to give me a, a class <laughs> uh, or give me a degree, but you are saying you've got to survive this meeting or maybe mm-hmm. you are the executive in charge of the project. And you've got to bring all these uh, concepts together. So I see what you're saying, that you've got to be able to, to get through the meeting, ask the right questions, understand yep. decisions that you're making. Uh, yeah, and, and having a concept helps you quickly assimilate new knowledge. Maybe that was a pretty verbose, uh, weird sentence. But yeah, like if I know, for example, what a backend is, what a frontend is, and, and I have a vague understanding of, okay, how do software systems scale? Then if, if an engineer is talking to me about that, about these things, and he's using some strange jargon, I know for a fact first what he's talking about overall, even if I don't understand the different what the different jargon means. I know he's talking about this, how that fits with my mental model 
of how software works. And I can ask pointed questions like, hey, yeah, I don't understand exactly how you do that, that one thing, but can you just tell me if that accomplishes this? And as long as you can do this, that I understand, I don't care how you do it. You can go ahead and do it with this budget because I know kind of, I know I have to, I also roughly know if this sort of an application will take $20,000 to build or $2 million or $20 million, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's really the conceptual fluency that we're looking for. Great. And on the other side of the conversation, then the technical person, have you found that this kind of thing, I guess, bridges that gap of I mean, on the one hand, they could have this technology superiority complex that's mm-hmm. like, I'm the only one in the room that knows this engineering. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they could also say, gosh, it's so frustrating because nobody in the room is understanding the thing I'm saying. And yet mm-hmm. I think this is a terrific idea. So mm-hmm. do you find that they're being helped on the other side too? Yeah, of course, because it's not just the technical, the non-technical people being you know, somehow suppressed by the, by the techies. It, it also goes the other way because, you know, you ask an engineer about how they, about their relationship with their project managers. And it's almost like if you're a homeowner and you're building a house to live in and you hire an architect and a contractor to build it, you know, it's almost like you go into the, the first conversation and you say, I want a place to poop. I want a place to sleep. I want a place to cook. And I want a water park in my back, in my backyard. That's really, <laughs> so that's again, like you said, it's frustrating for the techies because the bridge is so huge, they don't even know where to begin to explain to you how their stuff works. Mm-hmm. Well, give me a scenario. Uh, let's say I, I'm a B2B sales type and I'm trying to get out there and, and sell this digital product or this digital service, even platform. Yep. Uh, how is this kind of training going to help me be a better salesperson? For, spe- for sales specifically, your goal is to build empathy with the decision maker on the other side, right? You want them to feel three things, three, or maybe let's numerate them. One, you want to make them feel that you know what you're talking about. You're an expert. You have credibility in that, in solving that problem. Number two, that they can trust you in general. You know, you're, you're a person with integrity. And number three, you're likable. You know, you're a good, a fun person to work with. The third one, I think most salespeople can learn how to present themselves as trustworthy and fun to, you know, that's, that's basically their bread and butter. Like mm-hmm. I'm trustworthy, I'm fun, I understand what you're like, and now my technical guy is gonna do the technical selling. You know, that's how you, that's usually how it works. And you have to <laughs> and now over to stop the technical guy from saying something stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have if you have a technical fluency back, if you have some technical fluency, you can not only say like, hey, you know, uh, I'm I'm a great person to work with. You can also say, I understand what your problem is. And I can describe to you and I can teach you at a high level how we're going to solve it. So you increase your ability of, you increase your credibility, your technical credibility. Like, yeah, these guys are experts. You know, the salesperson, he's not faking it. He knows exactly what I'm looking for. So if I'm a business owner and I want to buy a digital marketing platform or software upgrade to my website or whatever, and I don't know why that's important, why should I spend $10,000 on this? You know, why should, why should I? As much as I like you as a salesperson, if you can tell me like, hey, these are the business goals that you are looking for, and this is how they translate into the technical choices you have to make for your website, and this is how we're going to, what, this is what we're going to deliver to you and how that you know, meets your requirements. You know, the engineer can only do so much. He can only explain how his stuff works. A really great sales engineer could also bridge the gap and say, yeah, I can translate business goals into technical yeah. goals. 
but you know somebody needs to act as that bridge you know somebody needs to bridge that gap between business and technology so if yeah. if you're the salesperson you can do that all more power to you yes and it sounds like the idea of being able to bridge that i mean you've been talking about building credibility by having knowledge that the salesperson you know can impart to the customer but you've mm-hmm. also described being able to listen then and translate what their business goals are and if you're talking with a technical customer being able mm-hmm. to translate those into a sales proposition to yeah. understand it yeah. well that's yep. great i guess i'm also wondering then about say entrepreneurs who have a good business sense and they spot a fantastic technology opportunity, but they are a little overwhelmed by the technical information. Is this going to help them in the business hire, train, and understand the needs of their engineering staff? So I think, of course, of the answer is, of course, it does. But I want to give a longer answer. The, the essence is that when you're managing a, an expert, who knows more than you do. There's a different dynamic than when you're hiring a person whose job you already know and you've just delegated that job to him because it's worth it's not worth your your time to do that job. So me managing managing a guy that, you know, is doing something I've already done is different from me managing an expert like, "Whoa, you are here to tell me what I should be doing." And so in that dynamic when you're let's say a non-engineer managing an ex an engineer, you you kind of wrestle with giving them freedom to do their own thing and make their own decisions while also making sure that you're on the same page. You know, you don't you don't want the engineer or the expert to go off and do their own thing and leave you out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that that's what happens in many, you know, non-technical founder and technical founder dynamics where the non-technical person is kind of afraid that if I give this you know, project to an engineer and he tells me it's going to take me 3 months, then I have to kind of accept that well, yeah, probably you're, you're the expert. <laughs> yeah, you're the expert, right? You're the expert. But if you have some technical fluency, not only can you add some value to those conversations you know you could you know cuz i personally believe that you know non technical even even people from a liberal arts background can offer incredible value to any technical decision making they can bring a lot of knowledge and experience to a problem solving process that even like i think engineers sometimes can miss but besides that you can also have some vague idea of where you are is there a communication gap is there a cultural gap between you being able to empathize with them being able to empathize with their problems being able to go back and forth it's these small things that make huge huge changes in your working relationship yeah totally well i think we have a good understanding at least introduction to your technical fluency training let's back up and talk a little bit about you and and how it all came together what was your process amon of really creating this program. It's not a one-time course. Certainly not watch a couple of videos on YouTube and you'll get all the answers. So how did you begin to put it together? Yeah, so for me, it derives from my liberal arts background, which I had before I became an engineer. And more specifically from filmmaking and foreign language learning and foreign language teaching. the filmmaking discipline the storytelling discipline is one i credit for pretty much all my success you know surprisingly in the engineering world and you know whether it's sales or whatever because the process of teaching someone a new concept and taking them from where they are to a different level of ability or a different level of fluency is to guide them through a story you know you meet them where they are you meet the audience where they are 
in the first scene you set up you know you start with you start with the basics you know in in the first scene of the movie in like harry potter you start with the cupboard under the stairs it's very familiar you understand what's going on and then slowly you introduce magic and hagrid and dumbledore and all the on the other fancy stuff right towards you know as you go along and you build on the knowledge they already have at every single step so it's accomplished about comprehensible input which means i plus 1 you know you have you, if they're at i you don't give them i plus 10 you know mm-hmm. to make sense of you give them i plus 1 and then i plus 1 and then it it compounds slowly and slowly you keep making them comfortable along the journey and so really you know filmmakers are really good at taking you a com- like they take you into a universe that they've created they take you you don't know anything about what that universe is and by the end of the story by the end of the film you feel like you live in that universe exactly. right and so with me you know it's kind of the same process you are in a non you're a non technical person i need you make you feel like you can talk with engineers you can talk the talk you can walk the walk through this program over a period of time without making it feel like you've have to you've had to memorize a lot of information you know mm-hmm. yeah. does that make sense <laughs> yeah definitely and it sounds like then that you're not coming at it from the technical side you are coming at it I'll say from your customer's point of view because it is the non-technical uh, customer, right? That's very cool. And obviously, this is a podcast about creativity and how to get your ideas produced. What were some of the obstacles or blockages to getting this course up and and the program going? Well, the biggest the biggest problem was waiting for creativity and inspiration to strike me. <laughs> and I think as any creative person like or anyone on a creative endeavor it's really about managing your energy and getting into a routine that is for me for me that was the biggest thing you know for me that was the the thing i struggled with the most because i i'm kind of adhd and you know i'm all over the place i want to i'm react 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 to everything but i've really had to learn how to focus myself like hey before i do anything else i need to sit down at a blank document or whatever it is i'm working with and force myself to like start the countdown like start a timer and stare at the document with discipline until some words or some ideas bleed out of my eyes and appear on you know on paper <laughs> if i do that enough hours enough like on on a consistent schedule the ideas will just come you you have to just count on you know like whenever i found myself thinking about what i'm going to write or how i'm going to do something and wait for the idea before i sit down and force myself to stare at a blank screen it's just been a waste of several days before i realized like whoa you know it's not working let's just sit down and start a timer <laughs> yeah yeah you're like a lot of other creative people i think we all have like 17 thing on our project list and you know all sorts of fun ideas but we got to get this one done so let's sit down and and get get it done <laughs> yeah aman how are you marketing this technical fluency program how are you doing the outreach to reach people to get to know and uh, engage in the in the program yeah it's a working progress the strategy is working progress and like you know that's also like you know maybe i can talk about this like how i think about this for a second because yes. when you come up with a new idea and you want to spread awareness about it and you sell you want to sell an idea or whatever you can do a hundred different types of things right you can make a, you can go in a hundred different directions and it's about first of all choosing a few and going all in so that you spend enough time doing those before you see results and being flexible so being disciplined and being flexible and changing your strategy it's like these are like always at odds with each other sometimes you'll start doing a few things you 
set a time every day and you do let's say those cold emails or you those reach outs or social media or whatever it is and you do that for on a consistent basis before you get some texts and you get some engagement or you like oh this is not working let's do that this is not working let's jump into that so for me so far it's been again podcasting like appearing like and talking to different people get get as many calls done with people and hear what they have to say and share my ideas build relationships networking that is one huge part the other one is promoting the the articles that i've written so i have a lot of art articles for free on medium that explain really complex technology in very simple words and the people who read who actually read those essays are like my target audience because they're reading because they enjoy my style of writing and my style of teaching and they're interested in learning uh, learning about technology and uh, of course you market them to a certain demographic in a way like so for me it's non technical entrepreneurs and non technical professionals but yeah it's it's a marketing menu so to speak that i've made made for a while and i'm going to see how that menu works out for a while make some changes <laughs> with time right well i'd like to drill down on that and get specific on how we can sure. connect with you aman and then ask you a few more questions but my guest is aman argawal he is the founder and president of a great company called sanprom where can we connect with you about these articles about the course and the modules that are a part of it the the single big resource is sanprom.com the website and the website the homepage instead of a like a sales pitch up front in your face it has a list of the articles that i encourage people to read and learn and get used to my style of teaching before they go to the sales page where mm-hmm. they can actually look up information about the program there's also a technical fluency quiz so they can actually self assess for free again without having to give their email or anything how they're doing uh, or how much technical knowledge they have already very good so s a n p r am.com sanpram that's correct all right very good so aman as you're thinking about the people who are listening to this you know it's great to say go to my website read an article but you're talking now to at least a few dozen i'm not quite 10,000 listeners <laughs> but at least a, a good handful of really creative people imagine that you're having a one-on-one discussion with any one of us mm-hmm. what is it that we need to know that we're going to learn in this program. I think the big takeaway would be technical confidence as a manager or executive because if you're in that in that position you'll probably be hiring somebody to do some technical work for you and you'll kind of have to manage the expert. So what I want you to know is that one it is their job to explain to you how their stuff works and convince you about that what they're doing is a good idea you are hiring them you are managing them and if they make you feel stupid for not knowing because this is something just that i've just you know seen people complain about in many cases that hey i hired an engineer and you know he i, I gave him a project to build an app and you know the project went on and then you know we had a meeting where i got something i didn't like and he was like oh yeah you don't really understand how it works and you know kind of sours the relationship from then on. So I want you to know that you're the boss uh, and it's the engineer's job to explain to you and teach you with patience what you need to know to manage them better. Right? So that's one takeaway. Second, I would say this concept of forced empathy and 
teaching, which means if you if you actually find yourself in a difficult conversation with a an expert or from any field, whether it's finance or technology or sales or whatever, you know, somebody who you're in a conflict with because you can't get on the same page, they have a different vision of reality than what you do. They say something is not possible or whatever. I guess the what you could do from your side is to teach them what your goals are. Hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. This is what I care about. How can you help me and help the both of us get to where I want to go? Right now, explain to me the the technical complexity or whatever in the context of these goals, in the context of these these directives that we that we both need to achieve. Once you do that, it instead of a, a me versus you dynamic, it turns into an us versus the problem dynamic. Yes. Which and even if you never learn anything about technology, even if you never take my course or read my essays or whatever, you know, this this would help you in an, like, navigate a lot of the technical or you know, whatever discussions that uh, you may face. Yes. And as business people, creative problem solvers and such, these words like artificial intelligence, internet of things, cybersecurity, cloud infrastructure. I mean, we throw it around like, you know, AI when, you know, (laughs) there's a, a lot more to it. And it sounds like your program can give us that foundation of, okay, what, what is this term really mean, mm-hmm. um, but also what's the market? But I love then taking it to the next level and that you put it into stories. I've always been a fan of Wired Magazine and Fast Company. You know, they take these kind of technical things and put it in and frame it into the bigger picture. And it sounds like this course is more of a personal way of doing that rather than just reading an article. Uh, literally, how does the course work in terms of people's engagement with you and the information. When they see the sales page, essentially, which is what it is, you know, it's a, a page that describes you what the course is and how much it costs and whatnot. The first step is they schedule a call with me and I decide if the course is right for them. Mm-hmm. If I decide, yes, it is right for them and they're going to meet their goals. Then we shake hands virtually or whatever. And we get into the program. It's uh, the program works in a cyclical fashion, which is assess address and then reassess. So I, the program starts with a quiz. The program starts with me assessing where they are right now. And then I, you know, give them the materials that I have prepared already and I choose and you know, edit them and whatnot to fill those gaps. And the first module is about building and designing systems at a high level. So for example, if you have an idea for an app that helps people find missing dogs in the neighborhood, you need to be able to take that business idea and convert this into, okay, what would an MVP for this app look like? What would, I, what would the MVP for such a thing cost? What, what kind of technical things it would, like what are the moving parts? What, like, do I need a backend? Do I need a frontend? Do I need a mobile app? Why a mobile app? Why a desktop app? Whatever. You'd be able to make all these high level choices and come up with a, a flow, like a system diagram that you can. So basically the, at the end of the, the first module, given any business idea, you can put that, put that thing in on a whiteboard as a technical diagram so that an engineer can look at that and say, oh my God, I know exactly what, I, what you want me to do and I know exactly what I need to do. And uh, they can describe to you, hey, yeah, you did this, but let's do it in this way and you can have an intelligent conversation. So within the first three weeks to four weeks, you'll get to that level. And the way, the way I you know, do that is again, you look at case studies. We look at 15, 20 different examples from Netflix, how Netflix works, you know, they help people watch movies at home. How does that translate into how they're structured 
to let's say you know you have that uh, like square for payments to airbnb to uber you look at all these different companies and their high level diagrams and you understand you get some pattern you know in your head through exposure to different case studies and the designing of of course you have exercises where you design a system on yourself and we talk about it like it would be in an engineering conversation after the first module you're already pretty technical fluent technically fluent the next module is about going deeper into what is the back end what is the front end how do you make these choices what kind of database do you choose and why how does that affect the business goals how do you scale an application to millions of users how do engineers work day by day what what are their motivations what are their goals what are developers in an organization what are operations people what are project managers how do they interact with each other you know what are the tools and protocols and process they use to run an efficient engineering organization because now you're really getting into the things where you're actually feeling like you're going to manage an engineering team yes um and of course you learn about stuff like ai and you know cybersecurity and you know iot is kind of uh, like a loose concept but you learn about again using the focus is on again using these technologies to make decisions and to make and to bring new ideas to the world uh it's not to be a be a, a phd in artificial intelligence you know you just create stuff and then towards the end we we kind of done with the program but we leave some buffer time to address anything any other things that you are interested in like if you're really interested into oh i want to explore digital manufacturing more you know I, i'm really interested in that particular field or i'm really into cyber security or into ai and you want to go deeper then we can explore we have a few weeks a couple of weeks where you maybe just play around with different ideas different business models and we and also after the end of the program after a 3 months and a 6 months point we do one call each to follow up and check in and how things are going what they remember if they need any help so you know it's not just uh, like complete the course and goodbye yes um, that that's basically how the whole thing works great so it's very personal very one on one it sounds like yep absolutely yeah, fantastic well aman i've really enjoyed this conversation i've learned a lot about this communication gap and how, what you've developed to overcome it Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My guest has been Aman Agarwal. He is the founder and president of a company called Sand Pram, and I really encourage you to check this out. If you're in that kind of role where you're communicating, managing, decision making on engineering things that you don't have the degrees and the training to do, Aman has a really great program to help you get up to speed. It's sandpram.com. Thanks so much Aman and uh, all the best folks. So thanks for stopping by and join us again next time where we'll travel somewhere else around the world to talk to an expert about their original creative thinking. We'll get inspiration from their experience and we'll learn some of the specific tools, formulas, exercises and templates that they might use to organize their ideas. But most of all, we'll help you learn to make the connections and create the opportunities to get your creative work out into the world. This is unlocking your world of creativity. I'm Mark Stenson. We'll talk to you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity. With Mark Stenson. Copyright 2020.